Just in and so good. Thousands of spring deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade, New York, Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell, starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and more. So rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just $30 at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Go ahead, Alex. What are you eating? Panera. (laughs) (laughs) Just a solid start. Solid start. Just dogs barking. You're eating the sandwich. Alex staying silent. It's just we're hitting everything that we do best on this show. Another episode of Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. (laughs) What's good, guys? What's happening? I'm eating my Panera bread. My dogs are barking. Alex, Alex is, is silent. He's present. just looking at us. <laughs> and Tim's he, talking he too much. He almost said something, and then he just breathed out. <laughs> I think he's only said six words since we logged on to this, uh, this stream yard, and that was over a minute ago. <sighs> Hi, Alex. Hi, I'm so, those who don't know, I'm James Hinchcliffe, uh, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alexander Rossi. Tim is also here. Alex, why don't you say hi to the crowd? <laughs> I almost did it. I almost said a word. He's like our, our teller. Our yeah. Pen and teller, yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, guys. I'm just a little distracted with uh, my Instagram feed. So that's all. Fair. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of how they design it. So that way you don't actually have any say in what you do with your time. You just default yourself to social media. <sighs> That is true. That is true. Um, hi, guys. Uh, it's very, it's hot as dick in Indiana right now. Man, so Nashville was hot last weekend, and we just brought the hot weather up. It is. Indiana. I walked the dogs an hour and a half ago, and literally like beads of sweat, like dripping down my face. Terrible idea. I walked the dogs at like 830 this morning, and it was already like that. I'm like, I, I can't take them outside again until like 10 o'clock tonight. Yeah, no, it's it's bad. Um, but fortunately, you know, we have a race this weekend. So, so guys, you know how we've like low key turned into a travel podcast, Tim, we all want to hear your story. So we all know that <laughs> there's right, some travel right. story that you had, like, well, let's just hear it. Like, all right. get it wrong. So I booked my flights back from Nashville, like an idiot. I booked a 7am return because I assumed on the Monday, on the Monday after the race, I assumed it would go like most of your guys' races. You would finish, you know, Poorly. terribly, and we'd have nothing to celebrate. So I'd get a full night's sleep and, and on time and on time. I mean, <laughs> half of us did that. So <laughs> James really just <laughs> up my travel plans by mm-hmm. getting a podium. 
Mm-hmm. So we go out to to celebrate, and the race went uh, forever. It just ended three minutes ago. <laughs> it was the marathon IndyCar race. Did so, you know that the Music City Grand Prix was two hours and 46 minutes, and the Indianapolis 500 was two hours and 32 minutes? Are you serious? Yes. Do you want to know what else was funny? Is that the average winning speed of Ray Haroon in 1911 was 74 miles an hour, and the average winning speed of Marcus Erickson was 72 miles an hour? Well, that would have been the case without the red and yellows, I bet. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, did they calculate that with the red flags or just yellows and pits? Just yellows. Yeah. All right. So anyways, anyway, James, we go out, but it's a little later because the race went forever and you had to shower because, as we mentioned, Nashville was really hot. So we, we got a kind of a late start. And then James and Becky do the responsible thing. They go out, celebrate for a little bit, and then go back to bed at a reasonable hour. I go the other way on this issue. I'm like, mm-hmm. we're at a karaoke bar. I'm going to be here until three in the morning. And I tried to ride a bowl. It didn't go well. So about 3.15, I get back to my, my Airbnb. I sleep for about an hour and a half and then wake up, call an Uber, get to the airport. And I'm in rough shape. I'm not, I'm not looking great at any level why did you bother even going to bed i don't know because i'm an idiot have have you not learned from the last bit of this story that i'm not making great decisions you also normally look like a guy that's been out till 4 a.m partying on an hour and a half of sleep but that's beside the point fair fair i'm not bringing great energy (laughs) you're 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 in a state that like if you ended up at a waffle house at 7 a.m that morning the waitress would have looked at you and been like you know what this one's on the house, bud. You look like you've had a bit of a night. <laughs> you, could, you could use it. So I, I show up to the airport at that level and obviously pretty tired. So my solution is I'm just going to sit against the wall right where my plane boards. And so I'll sleep so that surely the motion of everybody like boarding the plane will wake me up. And that part of the plan worked perfectly. So I wake up right as the plane's boarding. And I'm a little, I'm in my head. I'm like, God, I have to look terrible. And then part of me is like, well, maybe you don't look that bad. You're just like being self-conscious about it. And then to confirm that I look terrible, I heard somebody say, oh God, he's on our flight as I got up. (laughs) (laughs) So not great. (laughs) Not great. It's so good. So I I board the plane. I board the plane. I get to my seat. I noticed that my seat has the window up, but uh, I, whatever. I am asleep within three seconds of sitting on my chair. And and so I'm in the window seat. I'm asleep before the aisle or or middle seat get there. And like, this is a hard sleep. I I mean, I wasn't awake to hear it, but I'm pretty sure I was snoring. About two hours in the flight, I wake up and my like, I'm taking up both armrests. I'm taking up the armrest for the person in the middle, which I I hate. I hate to do that. I'm usually like such a considerate flyer, but I was just in such, I was asleep and I was in a bad state. And, like, I'm already somebody where, you know how Lucas Oil Stadium looks like somebody photoshopped a factory onto the, the, the skyline of Indianapolis and then just hasn't resized it to a proper size yet? Like, it just looks too big to be there? That's Obscure me in an airplane. Yes. Right. That's okay. me in an airplane seat. Like, I look too big to function in an airplane seat under the best circumstances. So when you get on a plane and you see that you're sitting next to me, you're like, ah, God damn it. So... I'm already working from a deficit here and I'm, I'm the worst 
possible roommate passenger you can have. Like I'm, I'm accidentally elbowing the person next to me. I'm uncomfortable. So I'm fidgeting the whole time. I'm in and out of sleep. I'm sure I'm snoring. As I mentioned, I fell asleep before I even thought to put the window shade down. So 7 a.m. flight window open. So after four and a half hours of just being a terrible just the worst mate, we finally mercifully land in L.A. And I see the people sitting next to me get up and noted this is the first time I've apparently looked at them for this entire flight because it is your title sponsor and our previous guest on the podcast, CEO of Capstone Green Energy, Darren Jameson, and his lovely wife. Now, they did look at who was sitting next to them when they boarded the flight, so they were aware it was me the whole time. Yes, and they shared that (laughs) via tweet with a very nice picture of you passed out with the window shade up uh, on a 7 a.m. flight back to California. You jerk. Here's the thing. They're like the loveliest couple. I hung yes. out with them for most of the weekend. They were they were so nice, so welcoming. And then I returned their hospitality. I mean, he gave me the solar backpack and everything. Mm. I returned their hospitality by just being the worst possible roommate they could have ever had. For four hours <laughs> on an early morning flight. Well, and mm. he was obviously celebrating too the night before because, you yeah. know, title sponsor of car. So, uh, Darren. I am so sorry. <laughs> More importantly, I Darren, I am so sorry. It'll never happen again because we'll stop letting them come to races. No, that's fair. And then, like, oh, my God, his <laughs> wife. Like, we, we were hanging out Saturday before the flight, and we were, like, talking about our kids. We were having this great conversation. I think I, I had to have elbowed her at least four times. She's probably got flight. bruises, like, on her arm from you, I, like, I, twitching. I don't think I can ever look these people in the eye again. Well, uh, my trip back was a very uneventful drive home. But Alex, how was your trip back from Nashville? It was fine. Okay. Good chat. Yeah, it was a little delayed because I had to, to wait for weather to pass. Thunderstorms in the summer in the Midwest. But other than that, it was uneventful. Liza slept the whole way. She had a whole road to herself in the back. So, so this was your yeah. first time this was your first time flying back from a race, right? Yeah, it was. Now does that that obviously like <clears throat> affects you can't like go out and, and celebrate too hard or mourn too hard after a race if you know you have to fly the next morning, right? That is very true. Um I uh, uh had nothing to celebrate, so I stayed up till 1.30 in the morning watching um a TV show on the couch in my bus. Johnny, my sorrows and jelly bellies and red vines that a guest gave us at the live show um, in Nashville. So, a different type of celebration. Or can we talk about but, how that guest showed up with all, all top of our favorite of things? Favorite jelly beans. Very. And she went to the jelly thoughtful. belly store and picked out the top ten, made them into a bag, and gave to you. That's that's incredibly, dedication. Incredibly kind and thoughtful, and came in. Handy, quite honestly, because I had no candy or anything to satisfy my depression Sunday night. So she um, also bought me a sandwich at the live show to make sure that uh, this is Tim just a nice lady. I just so she woman. should she should come to most of our events. Yeah, yeah. I'll okay make sure to sit. I'll, I'll make sure to sit next to her on a plane. Oh, oh well, no, you're not. not you're not there. coming to events. You're not going to be there. <laughs> I have to drive to all events now. Yes. <laughs> yes, you do. And 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 people have to stop buying you tequila shots during live tapings. 
Yeah, actually, that one I can get behind because that was some editing. Uh, so, that, so, or, so, or you, you could just you not drink them. No, no we know that I can't do that. We know so, that that's not an option, James. So Tim had tequila shots um, while working <laughs> during the live show, but I feel like he also must have had tequila shots on Sunday night because I've heard stories that Tim got up to something that was entertaining for the witnesses, but potentially so, embarrassing for him. Let me let me explain. Of the, my, the, my favorite part of Sunday night was this. So um, we'd gone out to one of the country bars, listen to some music, have a drink. And, uh, and Connor had a little area because he's the most connected person I know. And he had a little area. How does he do that, by the way? In every well, city he goes he's to. He's a very good he networker. a lot of time into it. He's a very good networker. Yeah. So, um, so he very kindly had us out. So we were there. We were having fun. And, and, and the girls were, were having a good time. And then Becky looks at me and she goes, I really want to ride a mechanical bull. I'm like, okay, we're, we're there. We're at that point. Okay. Good to know. I'm like, well, we're in Nashville. She's never been in Nashville before. I'm like, all right, this is, if she's going to do it, let's do it. So I go over to Tim. I'm like, Hey man, we're going to head out. If you want to come with, um, we're going to go walk up and down Broadway until we find a place with a mechanical bull. And like Tim didn't miss a, it wasn't a half beat. He's like, Oh, wild beaver. It's half a block this way. Come on. I'll take you. They've also got live karaoke I got, tonight. I got to know Nashville very well, very quickly. So he knew <laughs> not only where it was, he knew the the schedule of karaoke at every bar and et cetera, et cetera. And so while Becky wanted to ride a bull, uh, uh, Tim very much wanted to sing karaoke. So I, I, like I killed it. I did great. Well, I did videotape all of your karaoke performances that I was present for. Oh, um, I didn't realize that. Yeah, 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 Please yeah. destroy those. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, because they were duets for the most part with my wife. Thankfully, oh. I don't think we can play these on here because we don't have the copyright to this music. Oh, dang. Okay, well, I can show Alex this at least, which is Tim's attempt at the mechanical bull. Oh, God. Okay, so you guys know how on a mechanical bull, like they intentionally go harder on the guy. Um, that was not the case with me. They had not even gotten to the point where they could go hard enough to knock me off. <laughs> I fell off. <laughs> Within it wasn't even two moving. seconds of getting on. Oh, it was barely, yeah, barely I'm moved. I'm surprised I you think, got were I able think, to get on. Honest to God, I was too, and I can see that a victory. <laughs> the operator, I think, was like looking at his Instagram. He was about to he was replying to a text, about to start the ride, and looked up, and you were just gone. You would just he fall. gave me he gave me the signal like do you want to go on again I was like nah that's the best it's gonna that's that's as good as this is gonna get <laughs> <laughs> it's only going downhill from here bud thanks though. yeah, yeah. Um, I like okay. to call that an Alex so Ross race we've kinda... weekend <laughs> I mean yeah yeah I guess that makes sense <laughs> yeah, yeah a 2021 yeah um, so yeah we've kind of done this backwards so we've gone from our trips home to the Sunday night uh antics so let's backtrack now to sunday late evening into early into early evening which was when the marathon of the indycar race took place alex result notwithstanding impressions of the race itself because i've got some thoughts um yeah yeah for sure so i i loved all of it, honestly. Um, I didn't. I didn't enjoy some of the stories I heard from friends who purchased certain things, and um, what they ended up receiving was a little bit different. I didn't like really? the fact. 
that there was no trash cans anywhere. I didn't like the fact that I get, I guess it was $1,500 for a paddock pass, which is not really the IndyCar way of doing things. Um, and, and, you know, we see ourselves as a series that, um, you know, has open doors and, and that's how we separate ourselves and, and giving access, um, so that, that other people don't really, my, yes. My only caveat to that is, did they try to buy it like week of, because I, I kind of get the sense that like, as it got close to the event within like the last two weeks, they got so short on supply of stuff and didn't want to oversell things that there's a chance things just skyrocketed in price. But I can't based think on that how, was- Based on how empty the paddock was of people, I do not believe that is the case. You thought the paddock was empty of people? Yeah. Anyways, that's besides the point. So I thought I thought those those things aside, which, you know, some of it is first year, first time doing it and all that jazz. You know, there's going to be some some speed bumps along the way. Um, I thought the event was great. I thought the track was totally fine. Um, I thought that the fan turnout was exceptional. I think the location was as good as you're going to get in a city like that, where you're not able to, you know, shut down the main arteries, right? If you compare that to kind of what I've seen, I was, I was never at the Vegas race, but compared to the Vegas race. Oh yeah. It it was head and shoulders above that. Um, So from, from all of that standpoint, the promotion leading up to it, the TV ratings, all of the good news we have on the back end of it, um, I thought was really, really good. I thought people drove like idiots, man. It was bad. I thought um, the track you I, and I and I don't really think you can blame the track for all the incidences that we had. No, I, at all. No. So, I mean, is that um, just the nature was, of having a twenty-seven car field? No, or no. I think the, the driving quality was really piss poor. Like really, really. Quite it bad. was. It was like any it, look. It, it's it's sort of the way that IndyCar racing is evolved in a like there's a there's a it's a negative twist on a positive thing or the other way around but you have such a competitive series at the moment and because everyone's so close overtaking is genuinely pretty difficult anywhere that we go and so people are trying to make things happen in places where things shouldn't be happening necessarily and i think especially at a new track you know, you, you go around and practice, and I think the only places anybody made any passes in practice were like into turn nine or into turn four. And when the race came around, I think everyone was trying to be the guy that figured out that other passing opportunity that nobody really thought about in practice and was going to try to make that work. And it just did, didn't, did, that did not happen. Um, you know, for me, the the big one was the whole the way the restarts are structured, obviously we kind of mid Ohio'd it, right? So the, the race start was down the back straight into turn nine, but all the restarts were along the front straight into turn one. And the way the IndyCar rule reads, when the green flag flies, you can race, you can pass, you can do whatever you want. And on a restart with the front straight being relatively short, the start finish line, you know, obviously being halfway between the exit of the last corner and the entry to the first corner, the leader's barely out of the last corner when the green flag flies, which means everybody behind him is still stacked up and entering the last corner. So guys are getting cute, trying to make passes into the last corner. That's what caused the traffic jam that, that caused the first red there. 
And you know, back. Let me just let me just interrupt. We are one of the very few series where you can race at green. A lot of other series pass before the line. Right. You have to wait until the line, and then you can go racing. So just throwing that in there. Yep. No, very valid point because there are there's one other track in particular where this has been an issue and that's long beach, right? Cause you come out of the hairpin there and the green flag waves the leader and the guy in 10th dive bombs, the guy in ninth into the hairpin hits him into a spin blocks a track and ruins everybody's day. So, you know, even when we were sat there during the red, I was on the radio with my crew saying like, I am the race director and, and tell them to put a broadcast out saying, you know, gentlemen's agreement rule change, no passing until the start finish line on restarts. Cause this was just going to keep happening. And they did not do that, but that is something I would highly recommend for going back to that place. Yeah. So, um, again, I think, uh, I don't even want to say, I don't, I don't know. I I don't know if it was the summer break. Everyone's amped up for the second half of the season. There's people that, you know, are in contract years. There's people that are fighting for a championship. I don't know. I just thought that it was, it was very, it was bad. It was bad in in a lot of respects. Um, be that as it may, it still fascinates me, IndyCar racing, that a guy that sails through the air for 35 feet and makes seven pit stops, including <laughs> a drive-through penalty, wins the race. Like it's it's equally amazing as it is mind numbingly painful. Frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> to, to try and understand how that is is like how is that sport i mean well, it's it's cool i guess but it's also ridiculous i say it's it's because we had 47 laps of yellow you know like if we hadn't had eight caution periods or whatever it was somebody could not have done that you know but I, like i know but but it's not just because of that it's because these rules that we have allow that to be to be even an option and i just don't think like yeah Marcus, which, which rule what do you mean the, the pits being closed and, okay. and 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 all that. So I think I don't want to take away from Marcus. He had speed all weekend. Um, once he got out in front, he obviously I haven't watched the race, but he was handling pressure from by far yep. the fastest car on track very well. But with that being said, I don't think he he wasn't the deserving winner. Scott, who started second and finished second, probably should have won that race. He's the only one that ultimately kept his nose clean, right? He had good pace all weekend. And for for him, it must be very frustrating <laughs> to watch his teammate who crashes through his own fault, gets a penalty and seven pit stops, and then goes on to beat him. Like it's just it's it's weird. It is it is what it is. Yeah, it's a it's a it is an interesting dynamic. That is true. Um, well, it's it's interesting to me because you'll watch a race a lot of times and like a small thing will happen to a car and you're like, well, that's their race. They just went from like contention for top five to now like sure. they're fighting for 17th place. Right. Yeah. And then except when it's not. Right. <laughs> it's it's kind of funny. Like it's we always have talked about in the past of Scott having like, you know, Scott's going to get a puncture on lap one, which is going to put him on the right strategy and he's going to end up winning the race or whatever. I feel like. That has trickled to the eight car this year. Like, <laughs> n- nowhere in Detroit, cycles kind of to second, and then Will's car doesn't restart in pit lane. Doesn't qualify very well in Nashville. Drives over the back of the car, <laughs> and then somehow cycles to the front and wins in Nashville. It's just crazy. But it's funny because I, I I think this year more than in years past, and I mean I, I might have to I might have to look 
back and like really think back because I haven't haven't been as much in the thick of the battles up front <laughs> as in years past. But it seems like the yellow, the closed pit string yellow has actually caught off fewer people this year than we've had in years past. It's not been quite as detrimental to as many guys races, I think, as what we've seen. You know, we went through a phase through like the 20, you know, 12 to 14, 15 kind of phase where that was happening a lot. And like, Will was the guy that literally he's lost more races because of that role than probably anybody in history. Cause he's sure. so good at qualifying on pole. He would run up front, he would save fuel and he would extend his first stint and be pulling a gap. And then during the pit sequence, somebody would nose it in the wall and then he'd be cycled to the middle and you'd be screwed. Um, we were joking about it in Nashville before the race, actually, when uh, he told me that, he was like, yeah, I haven't been qualifying as well lately, but my races have been better because I, I don't get caught out by stuff like that anymore. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it is interesting. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. I don't know what the right, cause I, I, I do feel like it's happening less. I feel like race control has been better about like leaving the track green. If the yellow situation's not like a super urgent one, if it's around the pit window, so guys can get through and, I think yeah, they've done I, a good I, job I guess, of helping that. I guess, I guess I'm not, I, I don't disagree with that. I just, I find it so strange that in a non-endurance form of motorsports, that that, what happened on Sunday is possible. That's all. Like, it's just, I don't know. It seems, it's like if for a fan okay. watching that, they would have been like, what on earth is happening? Well, can you imagine if this was somebody's first like, IndyCar like, race? Like, like Marcus admitted, he doesn't even understand how it happened. <laughs> he just kept pitting and cycling up towards the front. And he well, was like... pit lane was okay. actually shorter than the racetrack, so it was that faster to drive through pit lane than it was to go that through the racetrack. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's how that's Colt almost beat the pace car out. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why he pitted six times, is he took six shortcuts. He just kept <laughs> shortcutting the track. It's like, it's like um, on... Uh, yeah, the, the pit speed lay was the average track speed. Yeah. It's, um, that shortcut in Mario Kart on, on the beat. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's through the tunnel, off the jump, through the waterfall. Yeah. Or through the ocean, yeah. whatever. I always, yeah. Yeah, I always like the sand yeah. one. Yeah. All right. Mm. Well, James... Yeah, uh, Tide's got to be out for that, though. James, you had a really good race. Yeah, we did. I mean, you know, obviously the Andretti cars were really quick. Uh, I mean, Colton and Alex on the front row there and, um, you know, Ryan and I, well, I was, I think I was 10th, Ryan was 14th. I honestly, we, we could have been higher in qualifying too. We had a red come out on a, on what would have been a fast lap. Like the car was really good. Um, learning a new track is always fun. It's always, it's always cool when you can like come to a new place. And at the end of a session, you know, you're going through the data with your, with your engineer and you find as much stuff in yourself as you do in the car, like massive chunks of time. You're still finding in yourself and you're driving. And as the track evolves and one of the huge benefits of having, I mean, this weekend, essentially six cars on the team with both shank entries. Uh, it was, it was, it was good. Um, we kind of went with a alternate strategy early and then we thought it sort of bit us and we were getting shot in the foot with that traffic jam pile up and turn 11 there on that restart. And I thought, you know, because there was obviously a lot of narrow parts of that racetrack and we talked about it beforehand, right? Like if a car gets spun around here or a guy hits the wall here, like we're going to block the track and have a stoppage. Right. And so that happened in turn 11. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, this is the worst for me in this moment. This is the worst place for this to happen because the pace car can just take the whole field through the pit lane 
avoid the accident, they could keep cycling under yellow and we're going to be four laps down by the time this all gets sorted. Race control made the call to cause or call the red right away. And that's essentially what saved my race because we should have been laps down ultimately. Now we weren't involved in the accident. I didn't hit anybody. Nobody hit me. We just, the track was blocked. I had nowhere to go. So it would have been crappy to get penalized for that essentially. But, uh, but yeah, we managed to come back from that and the guys made a great call in one of the cautions to pit and kind of roll the dice on more cautions coming and stretch the fuel out. And it played out that way. And, um, you know, unfortunately Alex and Colden had their issues. Um, but you know, had a solid top five going and turned into uh turned into a podium, which was, you know, nice to be up there. But I think we could have had like 400 cars in the top six, which would have been pretty cool. Well, congratulations, man. It was good to see you back up there again. Um, one thing I did notice after this race and I wanted to get your guys' opinion on it or Alex, did you want to recap yours or did you just want to skip that? It was fine. Okay. Uh, yeah. One thing I noticed is it seemed like a lot of the drivers were more free with their criticism after this race than they usually are. And I don't mean like driver on driver stuff. Cause I mean, you had Bourdais I saying, I saw anything. Well, I saw Dixon had talked about how he thinks IndyCar needs to have more uh, equitable um, penalties and standards for stuff. Um, I saw Scott McLaughlin posted the video of getting passed under yellow and, and things like that. And it just, I don't know, it seemed like people were, and then Bourdais saying douche on NBC Sports Network was hilarious. Uh, I don't, it just seemed like the drivers felt a lot more free with the criticism after. Is that just me reading too much into it? No, I think you just had a you had a race where a lot of people felt wronged, and so I think I think any one of those people would have said the same things if that same incident had befell them somewhere else. Um, it's just a lot of guys in one night had some something work against them. I mean, Scott's point about the red flag rules and the penalties and things like that it's it's a valid point, right? What what has to be remembered is race control's job is not easy in those situations. There's mm-hmm. a lot going on. And we keep adding cars to the series and that keeps making it more and more complicated. Um, so having some sense of, yeah, when a red flag gets thrown versus not, um, I think is important. Um, if it's kind of left up to uh, decided as it comes, discretionary call, that starts getting a bit tough with you know certain situations and someone's always going to feel wronged or slighted in that situation having black and white rules for that though is very difficult because racing's weird and weird stuff happens and trying to predict and plan for every eventuality is i'm just it's just an insurmountable challenge so i think uh i think i think there's definitely things we can look at and and try to maybe alter and adjust so that way we have less variability in some of those calls but i don't think you're ever going to make it perfect because again it's it's a really tough thing what they do it's a very tough thing The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. 
Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, uh, and, and good news, this was the most watched IndyCar race on cable since they said like 1998. Everybody had talked about maybe there'd be some fall off in the momentum that IndyCars had with the break, and that didn't seem to be the case. And now you're going into a doubleheader with NASCAR. I mean, what are your guys' thoughts on that? I think it's amazing. I think it's um, it was a big relief to kind of see those numbers, especially – after some of the messages I got after the race, people were not too impressed with with how much you know caution and red flag running there was and such. But um, you know, I think the draw of, an, of a new event is always exciting for people, and and ultimately, like like I said at the beginning, like Nashville is a great backdrop, so um, it's it's very exciting for the series. It's a great boost, one that we needed, especially coming out of a three week break, and uh, as we go into the final part of the season here. But you know what I what I love about it is that it it totally dispels this myth that if we disappear for a couple weeks, people forget about us. Like I've always thought that was such a crock. And like the whole argument for going to Detroit the week after the 500 is we got to keep the momentum up. It's like literally nobody cares. Like that's that's not going to make more people tune into Detroit because the 500 was one week before instead of two weeks before. If you have a good mm-hmm. series and you have good racing and you have people that care about your sport, they're going to tune in even if you've been gone for a month. Like F1 does a three-week break every year and they're doing just fine. You know, it's... Uh, I, I and Luckily, this year, we didn't have Detroit right after Indy. We actually had a, a weekend off after Indy, which I think is so important for the well-being of everybody that works in IndyCar, teams, series officials, track people, whatever, drivers, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Yeah. I hope that that's something that we hang on to and that this is another good data point for that because it doesn't matter, right? That that race drew a lot of attention because it was new. The bridge, you know, everybody wanted to see who was going to be the first driver to end up in the water. Uh, and so there was, you know, a little extra impetus to tune in. But I also just think that, uh, you know, being down for a couple of weeks, it does not make people forget about the sport. So yeah. I'm, I was really glad to see the numbers. I felt, I mean, I felt really bad for all the people working the TV side of things because to fill that amount of dead air when we are in yellow flags and red flags is, it's not easy. And we gave them a lot to talk about, whether it was cleaning up crashed cars or cleaning up the like oil spill, the waterfall, Niagara Falls coming out of turn three there. Do we ever figure out what that was? 
It was a leak, like the water system from one of the suites. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, like, like it was a city water dude, supply line or something. Thank God that happened under caution. <laughs> that would have been a huge shot. It's like somebody who just would have been the unlucky car, would have been me, would have been the unlucky car to just go through there <laughs> full speed under green when like the water just came seeping through under the wall and I just been cranking the wall, the exit of three. But yeah, but the bright side is then you would have won. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> By that race's logic, potentially true. Um, well, so this, in- the second half of the race, I mean, I know there were a lot of wrecks and stuff in the first half, but the second half was so entertaining. The like Colton charging through the field. There was yeah. there was just a lot of on track action, and then like the question on what to do with the pits with the thirty five laps left, and whether to get fuel or if you could make it on caution. And Alex, you didn't take tires, right? Because it was like you'd only been on four laps of green on tires. Like that part, I thought was really entertaining and really fun to watch. Dude, Dixon. Know that I remember. I was Dixon, in seventeen, so I stopped caring. Before you were in 50 laps on a set of tires, (laughs) which was only three green, right? That's true. (laughs) Uh, But no. um, So wait, they just pitted for fuel. Yeah. What is the point of that? I I, I don't know. I haven't said they said it was uh, that track position was so important that they'd only done four laps on green on green on those tires. So they would rather not waste the time in pit lane to get better track position than get fresh oh, okay tires. so it was four green laps and then probably like 12 yellow laps or yeah. whatever so he only actually really did okay all right so it wasn't okay that makes sense we For didn't some do reason, 50 I green laps the, the whole same. race so i thought you did the same thing alex maybe i just misheard and it was dixon uh well no i pitted for a splash because we were already in the back so we figured why not top up but that was a different strategy so so funny story that's not funny for everyone involved here um under whatever caution it was and Pato came in for a stop and he came out like like side by side with me and i was on the radio i was like there's no way he beat me to the line because you know turn one you had to slow down so much whatever but so i was like we were we were one to go and i was on the radio i was like Pato came out like we came out side by side there's no way he crossed the pit commit line before me or whatever the pit exit line and we were having this whole debate back and forth, trying to get up to race control, whatever, whatever, to move him back behind me. And they're like, sorry, man, like we're just not getting anything back from race control. It is what it is. We're green this time by. Let's just let's just focus. So I was kind of like pissed off. And then we go green and four corners later. Oh no. I was like, oh. <laughs> I sorry, guess. Alex. Mm, mm. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, friend. I tried. I mean, <laughs> I tried to move behind me. <laughs> What's so upsetting is like, we were like, when that happened, I was behind Marcus, like on his strategy and like had a look in turn four, but I was like, no, like, it's just not, it's not necessary. Faster. We're faster than him. It's not worth it. It's fine. And then I just get blindsided and I was like, <laughs> oh, cool. But guys, I've gotten really good at finding reverse lately. Like, here's the thing: in St. Pete, when I had the issue with 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 Graham and my puncture, and we both ended up in the wall, it took me like thirty seconds to find reverse. But since then, I have had to back down pit lane at Laguna Seca during a test. Mm-hmm. I have had to use reverse in the runoff in turn ten 
at Nashville. And then, so by the time I got to, to ending up in the wall and turn four in the race, like I was in reverse in like literally eight seconds. It was pretty cool. Like out, out of the wall backwards in first gear again, going, I was pretty impressed with myself. It's good. It's good practice. It's a good thing to know how to do quickly. It is. I practice in the sim sometimes. Mm. I wasn't able to get to reverse for uh, turn 10 in practice though. Well, you were you were still going pretty fast forward, <laughs> so it would have been would have been worse actually if you had found reverse in that moment. Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. I Good was impressed. Time. I was impressed with how quickly you got into pit lane because Brian Barnhart's on my radio and he's like, "Ah, oh, driver's right, turn ten, yellow flag, watch out for a car on the wall." And I come around and there's no car. I'm like, Brian, what are you talking about? There's nothing there. I, Guys, like, I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to mess up everyone's laps, man. I was just trying to do the good thing. Here. Very, very considerate. Very considerate. He had lunch on Broadway, <laughs> and he just didn't want to be late. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The session was already running late and everything. So yeah. Well, uh, you guys got to share the track this weekend. You're back in Indianapolis. Uh, we're man, we're a little over on time, but anything we should look out for this week? I mean, I just think it's. I love that we're doing this again. You know, having NASCAR and IndyCar together happened last year as a first. You know, a lot of things obviously were different last year with schedules, but the fact that they held on to this idea and are letting us do it again, and now the Cup guys are actually running on the road course, not not the oval. It's going to be awesome. Based on the Xfinity race last year on the road course, I think it's going to be massively entertaining on Sunday. I really hope that we put on a good show for everybody on Saturday. It's going to be hotter than Hades. Um, Drink, drink lots of stuff, but uh, yeah, I'm. I'm Do you excited. know what what lap distance the race is? Like I don't know, like a hundred. Well, no, but like, is it 75, 80, 90? Because like, I, I actually can. I actually have this handy. It is. Mm, it is eighty five. Well, it's gonna be fun. I, I wish I could be there. Um, well, we don't wish that you were here, and I can guarantee you that yeah, most I'm people on American Airlines, Darren, Darren Jameson, don't worry. Most I people on American Airlines are happy that you're not there. <laughs> and um, yeah, hopefully we have two I'm positive things to talk about next week, guys. Yeah, That'd be cool. Exactly right. Highly unlikely, but it'd be cool. <laughs> Statistically speaking, not not great chances, but we'll we'll try. Cautiously pessimistic. Thanks so much for listening to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Keep in contact with us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at AskOffTrack. Or you can follow us individually. We're at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi. If you want to follow Thim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham. We really need to get that changed to at producer Thim. The music you heard today is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is produced by Tim Durham. And by that I mean Finn. Price drop. Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. 
Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.